So we are going through a book called God in My Everything by Ken Shigematsu. We have copies of the book over on that table. They're $10 a piece. Uh, if you can't afford one, just take one. But this is an amazing book that talks about the idea of us building, building a trellis for our spiritual life with God. A trellis, a garden trellis, we, we put in the ground, and it allows vines and shrubs and other plants to rise up above the earth and to receive the, the sunlight that it needs to grow. So the idea is, you know, we are, every, everything that's connected to Jesus will grow. If you are a Christian and you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you will grow. There's no question. But we can direct our growth by putting in place a trellis, putting in place a rule of life that draws us close to the sunshine of God's love in Jesus Christ and allows us to be nourished so that we can grow strong. It says in, in, in uh, the gospel, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch, when it falls off of a vine, it eventually, it might look fine at first, but it starts withering, and it dries up, and it's no good for anything anymore. But when we abide in Jesus, we bear much fruit. That's what this trellis idea is all about. So we have talked about different parts of, of the trellis. We've talked about uh, the discipline of keeping a Sabbath, of resting in the Lord. We talked about it the first week as being a foundational part of our life. The Sabbath was made for us. It wasn't made for God. Um, God made the Sabbath for our good because he knew we needed rest. And so he says, take a Sabbath, take a rest. And we talked about beginning to take time in our lives where we're not frantically working like all the people in our culture and like we are encouraged to do in our jobs, but take time to rest. The kids call it self-care. <laughs> the kids call it self-care. Yeah, rest, take a Sabbath. Jesus' work on the cross is finished. None of us are going to be dying for our sins because Jesus died for our sins. His work is done. So we can be done too sometimes. Prayer. Prayer is a central way we talk to Jesus, talk to God, grow in our faith, being in the scriptures, doing sacred reading of God's word, hearing what his word has to say. We talked about our body. We talked about play, about, about um, not being, we talked last week about not taking ourselves so seriously um, and just, just trusting in God that we can even be playful. We can be silly. We can have fun. We, we need to relax. We need to chill out because Jesus has paid the price for us. And today we're talking about money. Everyone's favorite topic. Everyone's favorite topic. Money. Uh, this week I had, we had the lovely experience of two car problems. <laughs> and it's going to result in dropping, big, dropping money. It seems like every time, for, for most of you, I know the truth is, as soon as you get it, it seems to go through your fingers pretty quick. So money is a transient thing. It's one of those things we just, we need to, to, to have in our lives in order to live. And God talk, and Jesus talks about money more than many other subjects in the New Testament. So it's a really cool uh, topic to think about for our trellis, for our spiritual life with God. How do we spiritually, as Christians, think about our money? Not just with wisdom, not just with charity, but overall, how do we wa worship God with the gifts he's given to us, the resources he, he's given to us. I want to read a, a, a small section from the book, and then I'm going to invite uh, Becca and Bert Rowert forward to share, because uh, I, I've been asking people in the church to share on these various topics, and it became apparent to me early in the week that what Becca had to share and what Bert had to share was going to be the message for today. So I'm going to share this quote and then invite them forward. The chapter is called Money, Master or Servant. Ken says, do you remember the times when you received money as a child? Do you recall the first time you earned a dollar? 
Perhaps you remember being deprived of money as a child and longing to have enough to buy the things you wanted. As children, we intuitively understand the power of money. It can give us the things we yearn for, the things we desire. Jesus understood the power of money. That may be why he talked about money more than any other social theme. Money is more than just a medium of exchange. As Jesus pointed out, it can be a rival God. No one can serve two masters, he said. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. More literally, Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. The word mammon comes from the root aman, which means something we put our trust in. Like a charismatic lover, money has the power to win our allegiance. The pull to make us lean on it for security and the capacity to convince us of its promises. Thankfully, when we are united with Christ, our relationship with money is restored to its rightful place in our lives. Money, master or servant. I'd like to invite uh, Becca and Bert forward to share. Well, as Nathan said, we're, we're going through this book, God in My Everything, and, and he does a good job of plugging it weekly, but... Um, I haven't gotten up here and said anything about it, so I want to say a, a little bit about it as we get started. Um, I am a college professor, as, you, as many of you know, and um, for well over a decade I taught in a program at SUNY Adirondack for the most academically at-risk students that were coming to the college. And uh, one of the courses that they took, they took courses together as a cohort. One of them was a freshman seminar course. And in that freshman seminar course, we would teach them things like um, you need your textbooks, you need to uh, understand how to use your textbooks, you need the materials, the other materials that you need for your classes, you need to know how to go to office hours and interact with your professor, how to be a student, just the details of how to be a student because many of these students didn't know this stuff. Um, or, but you know, it was interesting as we would teach it, they would sometimes get an attitude like, yeah, we know this. Why are we spending two hours in class this week with you telling us we need to take notes or that, um, you know, we need to be set, scheduling a, setting a schedule and following through with it? And the reason is because they may know it or they may have heard of it, but they're not doing it. And so um, this book I see in a lot of ways um, as a similar guide for us as, as Christians. There are things that we know we should do. Um, and we just have gotten out of the practice of doing them. And so um, it's a great reminder to, to get back into these things. So today we are talking about um, money in particular. We're focusing on tithing, uh, Becca and I up here. And um, I, I just want to say that, you know, this was not an, an intentional decision to have this topic this week after the admin board email went out talking about finances. Um, at least it wasn't, it wasn't uh, the decision of me or Nathan or the admin board. Uh, maybe it was God's timing. We'll see. Um, but I'll, I'll, I say that because I don't want you to feel at any point while we're talking up here that we are trying to lay um, guilt or obligation on you. Um, if you get that feeling, then uh, Take a break from giving for a while. That's not what we're here to, 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 to do, okay? Um, so we're not trying to guilt you into it. Um, but it is, um, it can be an uncomfortable topic for people to talk about, and uh, so we acknowledge that. Um, some people feel like, you know, oh, the church is always asking for money. We're not asking for money as a church. The church will be fine. God has taken care of the church. Um, 
but he does that through us. And um, we've never really shared the level of detail um, with you or with publicly with it really anyone that we're going to share today. And we don't really want to do it a whole lot again. But um, we just want to share some things with you about what we've done because um, we want to avoid, you know, um, the, the pitfalls of trying to influence how people think about us or anything like that. Um, we don't want to take credit for what God has done through us um, because he did it. But it's an important topic, and so we hope to uh, our stories bless and encourage you. Yeah, as Bert was saying, you know, as we were preparing for this, we kept thinking about, you know, well, should we share this? Should we share that? Because, again, we don't want this to be about us. Um, and even this morning before I got out of bed, I was, I was like, okay, well, maybe we should, like, get rid of that story or get rid of that story and just kind of, like, focus on, you know, just um, kind of, like, uh, I don't know, just make it less personal and just kind of just, like, say, you know, like, why you should tithe. And uh, so I have the Bible app on my phone, and maybe a lot of you guys do too. And the verse of the day is, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that really is the spirit of what we hope to share today, is that we just hope that our stories bless and encourage you and that it's not about us and that it's really about what God has done through us. Um, so yeah, you can go to the first slide. So when I was about 13 years old, um, I played basketball at a neighboring church. And at one of the games, I noticed this keychain that says God rules um, on the youth pastor's keychain. And, uh, you know, it's hot pink and black. It's very early 90s. I think it says copyright 1991 on it, right? So you can give you a sense of where I was when I was 13. And I told him that I liked his keychain. And he didn't know my name. He, it was a neighboring church. I was just a kid who liked his keychain. And he smiled, and without hesitation, he took it off of his key ring, and he gave it to me. Um, I love it. I've had it for 30 years now. It's been on my key ring ever since the day that I started driving. And not only does the keychain proclaim a very powerful truth that God, in fact, does rule, as he always has in, uh, across all of you know, creation, but it also serves to me as a daily reminder of the power of spontaneous, selfless giving. Um, for some uh, history, I, gave, I grew up in a church that did tithing through pledges. And so maybe, maybe you did too. But this meant that the elders and the pastors would come to our house and they would explain the importance and the impact of tithing as a spiritual discipline. And then they would get everyone to fill out in writing a commitment card with their annual pledge. And then they would get reminders from Greg Chandler throughout the year uh, about how they were doing on meeting their commitment so that by the end of the year, you would have given what you signed that you would give. Um, when I earned allowance as a kid, and then when I started working as a teen, my parents and the elders and the pastor encouraged me to fill out a commitment card too. Um, and uh, don't worry, we're not going to be doing pledge cards and coming to your houses to, uh, to do that <laughs> here at New Life. But I wanted to share that just as an example of what this can look like in different types of churches. And that practice might seem awkward or harsh or legalistic, but it never felt that way to me. Um, instead, it communicated to me the importance of tithing and giving and um, helped me to begin this practice of, of tithing really early on, this practice that 
was, um, was commanded in the, New in the Old Testament that Jesus reaffirmed in the New Testament and um, can be really important in churches today too. So uh, when I made $5 a week, I gave my 50 cents. So we got married in our early 20s. Um, we were both graduate students and uh, were pretty poorly paid. We had a combined annual income of about $38,000 uh, per year. And we committed to tithing 10% of our income to our church from the beginning, as small as it was. Uh, and we just made choices with what was left uh, after that. We had old cars uh, that came with surprise repairs, which we've heard about um, today. Um, and it seemed like every time we would go uh, have some sort of car repair, didn't matter how minor it seemed like it was going to be, it was at least $400. Okay. And that was 20 years ago. Um, um, you know, hole in the exhaust system, $400. New tires, uh, $400. Uh, brake pads and rotors, $400. Th those prices are definitely higher today, right? Um, but then at some point in, in life, we, as, it, as time went on, we started to realize that um, you know, we could absorb that $400 hit, and it wasn't the end of the world, right? It was tough at first, but uh, you know, as income grew or our, our savings grew or whatever, we could, we could weather those $400 storms, um, and so you know, we didn't have to scrounge. And we could comfortably write the check and move on. So um, one day we were getting our car, uh, we were having a car repair done, and we were waiting for it to be done in, in the waiting room area of the shop. And um, I, there was another older gentleman sitting there with us um, whose name was Ray. He was a sergeant, Sergeant Ray. For, he was a World War II veteran. Um, and we were just chatting with him while we were there for, for probably a couple hours. And uh, he, we learned that he had bone cancer. Um, he didn't really have any family. He, his finances were extremely tight, and he didn't even know how he was going to pay for this car repair that day. Um, and it was tough. It was a tough story. Um, and so, uh, and that was his only way to get around. And he didn't have, you know, others uh, around that could take him around. So, you know, we, our repair was finished. We paid, and we went home. And, um, and then we, we just kind of came to the realization, I think we could pay for, for Sergeant Ray's bill. So we called up the body shop, or the repair shop, and, um, and paid it. Um, and so after that, we started a practice of occasionally having pretend car repairs uh, from time to time. Our cars would be fine, but we wanted to um, pretend that they needed something new, so, and, and, or, or find a way to give that $400 or so. Um, and so we would write a check above and beyond our 10% church tithe, and send it to a local or national charity doing work that Jesus would support. And the number and amounts of these pretend car repairs have grown over the years in fun uh, and amazing ways. And now I realize uh, some of you are not financially at a point where you're ready to have pretend car repairs. Maybe not even real car repairs. Um, if, if that's the case, uh, start with your 10% church tithe and try to get your finances under uh, control to the extent that you have control um, and simplify your life. But I also think that some of us are uh, at a point where uh, we can do these things. We can have pretend car repairs. And if so, I encourage you to write a check to the Church's Benevolence Fund, Capital City Rescue Mission, uh, World Vision, Schenectady City Mission, Seltras of Saratoga, Compassion International, or another organization that's doing kingdom work. 
So I was reading through the book of Luke uh, in the month of December, and two passages jumped out at me. Um, the first one is in Luke 3, and here John the Baptist was going around preaching about the repentance for the forgiveness of sins, preparing the way for Jesus's ministry. And John was mad at all the people for their wickedness. He called them a brood of vipers, and he was telling them to prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And so uh, verse 10 starts and says, what should we do then? The crowd asked, right? They're like looking for like practical ways that they can prove that they have repented of sins. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Now, the thing that stuck out to me about this was that all three of these commands from John were about money and resources. Of all of the possible sins and bad behaviors that he could have called out the people for, he focuses on behaviors surrounding money. Why? Well, because money matters reflect matters of the heart. Jesus shares in the Sermon on the Mount, wherever your treasure is, right, wherever you put your money, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, the second passage in Luke that caught my eye in December is from Luke 11. Here, Jesus is hanging out with the religious leaders, and he says, What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Right? Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, and here he's telling us, yes, definitely tithe, but that's not it. He, uh, he affirms that tithing is the minimum that we should be giving back to God. Even the Pharisees did that. So in addition to our tithes to the church, we should think about what other resources we have that we can give to others in need. Um, things like clothing and food and books and cars. Yes, I'm serious. We've given away cars and not the ones that need serious repairs. <laughs> um, but not like Oprah does, right? Not like big and bold and loud and proud and look at me, right? Um, it's these like subtle, um, here's a need and let's meet it um, for the sake of bringing glory to God. And in addition to our material gifts, our treasures, we also have the gifts of our time and our talents. So my question for you to think about is how can you take what God has given you whether it's treasures or talents or time, and bless someone else by giving it to them. Okay, so why should we tithe and give extravagantly? So Bert and I have put together five good reasons for you, and they all start with T. That way it's helpful to remember them beyond today. Just like tithe. Exactly. Okay, Rule number, uh, reason number one, God told us to do it. So in Leviticus 28.30, God's people were commanded one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. 
Jesus freed us from the many Old Testament rules like this. Uh, but he also said he didn't abolish the law, but came to fulfill it. As we shared in Luke 11, Jesus said, yes, keep tithing plus show justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So tithing is an opportunity to act out of obedience and respect. He's the God of the universe, the all-knowing creator. He knows what's best for us as our good, good father, and he told us to do it. That should be sufficient. But if the because I told you so reason doesn't satisfy you, like how that doesn't work um, with our kids anymore, uh, here are some other reasons to tithe. Okay, so tithing is an act of trust. God can care for you on 90% of your income. He tells us in Malachi 3.10 to test him on this. It reads, I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10% into the storehouse so there will be food in my house. Then I will open up the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. So tithe and see what happens. Do you know people who manage to live comfortably on less than you make? About 10% less? Surely you can live off of less too. It's likely very doable, but just requires a decision to follow through. Sacrificing a portion of our earnings reminds us that we rely on God to meet our needs. It puts God and the work of building up his kingdom first, ahead of all other goals, priorities, and financial matters. It's an act of surrendering and trusting that it will be better than okay. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, all of that other food and shelter and clothing, will be given to you as well. All right, number three, tithing is an act of thanks. Tithing reminds us of the blessings that we've received and helps us to focus on gratitude toward the giver. It centers God as the provider of all that we have. God gave you 100% of what you have. It's very generous that his ask toward obedient giving is only 10%. That leaves a huge 90% for you. Although, of course, we are uh, to be good stewards with that 90% too. Tithing is about being grateful for what we've been given. And the best way to be grateful is to say thank you and give back. In tithing, we give a small gift to God in response to his many gifts to us. Scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. We are so secretive about our tithing here in the U.S. We have dear friends from Ghana who share that for the offering every week during the church service in Ghana, the people dance up to the front of the sanctuary while singing worship songs to put their offering into the basket. You can YouTube it. They are so grateful for what God has given them that they can't help but dance and sing as they give it back. That's because tithing is an act of worship. We give online, um, but it's not automatic. We reaffirm it each week as an act of worship and thanksgiving by submitting that electronic payment. What would it look like if our weekly giving, uh, if giving our weekly 10% was not a chore or a duty that we begrudgingly fulfill because the church leaders told us to, but rather it came from a place of celebration and gratitude? Number four, tithing is transformative. So money is an important tool for sustaining and equipping the mission and ministries of this church. It allows us to serve those in the congregation who have needs and reach out and love on our, on our community and shine the light of Jesus to the world. 
That is, tithing helps transform the kingdom of earth into the kingdom of heaven. But importantly, tithing also transforms our hearts into a giving heart. Tithing trains our hearts in generosity. It helps us to focus on gratitude. It teaches us to be less selfish. Tithing teaches us to love people more than things by softening our hearts and making us less materialistic and more people-focused. And it gives us a sense of community as we participate in the work of God's kingdom. Okay, although this uh, absolutely is not the reason to tithe and give, here's one more practical reason to do so. Tithing reduces your taxes. For fun, we're professors and we have a weird sense of fun, uh, we went back and recalculated our taxes from last year assuming that we'd tithed 0% to church and gave $0 to charity. It turns out uh, that last year we paid almost $6,000 less on our taxes because we tithe and give to charitable organizations. That's $6,000 more that we can give away this year. In fact, one year we gave away almost 50% of our income and got contacted by the IRS because they wanted to see proof of our extravagant giving. We gave them the receipts and now we're probably on some list. <laughs> but they, they did back off, they, they accepted it. <laughs> so be an extravagant giver. Be countercultural. Tax rates are usually around 33%. That year uh, where we got questioned, uh, we only paid 3% in federal taxes. Maybe you like paying taxes. Um, taxes help give us great schools and libraries and roads and first responders and government leaders and parks. But uh, you can offset how much you pay in taxes if you up your tithing and giving. And charitable giving actually allows you to determine how the tax gets spent rather than government leaders. And of course, uh, we can lift up those leaders in prayer that they too might use our finances wisely. So are you tithing? It's helpful to sit down and figure out what percentage you are actually currently tithing. It's easy to think it's probably close to 10% to only find out it's far less than that. And if you're not tithing 10% to new life, work toward getting there. If you're the type of person or family that doesn't budget but also doesn't rack up consumer debt, I suggest that you're good at spending what you have, and you probably could do just fine giving 10% if you feel called to. Don't just throw a few extra bucks in the basket every now and then. Pray about it and be deliberate. If you're struggling financially, start with 5% this year, and then increase it by 1% over the next five years. This is in the same vein as the other spiritual disciplines that we've talked about, like keeping the Sabbath, praying, reading scripture, and making it a priority to care for and manage our bodies, families, and relationships. It takes self-control and self-discipline. It's good to get into a habit of tithing now. When you make more money later in life, 10% is a bigger amount. So more money, more giving. Take it off the top. Give it away first. Give the first fruits, not the rotten fruit that nobody wants anyway. It's 10% of your gross income, not after your taxes, bills, and mortgage. If it's helpful, set up a recurring payment or use an app like Tithely so that you can give it before you get attached. Remember, God gave it to you to give away. So one of my favorite, one of my top 10, I would say, Bible verses is from the book of Ephesians 4.28. Paul is giving the church at Ephesus instructions on Christian living. And he says, be honest and work hard so that you 
So how might we like fill in the blank? Like, how do we think this verse ends? Don't cheat, don't look it up. Be honest and work hard so that you, maybe we think it ends like, so you can feed your family. Work hard so that you can receive the Lord's favor. Work hard so that you can get that promotion. Work hard so that you will be rich and famous. Work hard so that you can move out of your parents' basement. Work hard so you can pay your bills, get a bigger house, can be proud of yourself. Work hard so that you can shop harder. It doesn't end any of those ways, even can receive the Lord's favor, right? There are some like tricky ones in here. But it says, be honest and work hard so that you will have something to give to people in need. Be honest and work hard so that you will have something to give to people in need. Work so that you can give. I love it because it's so unpredictable and so countercultural. How does it change things to think that your purpose in going to work and earning a paycheck is so that you have money to give away? In God and My Everything, Ken asks, how much money do you feel you need to make you happy? About 10% more? But that 10% soon swells to another 10% and another and another. So my question for you is, how much money do you feel you need to give for transformation to take place? Not just transformation here at New Life, but transformation in our local community, transformation in the world, and transformation in your own heart. About 10%, but that 10% soon swells to another 10%, and another, and another. We'll end with one last story. So yesterday, Asher and I were watching a rec basketball game, just like the one that I was at when I was a kid and got my keychain. And I gave him a dollar to get a treat at the concession stand. And he came back with a Hershey bar, right? So you know what this is, right? So Hershey bar is broken up into 12 different, uh, different rectangles of chocolate. And I asked him if I could have a piece, and he eagerly gave it to me. That's one-twelfth of the entire chocolate bar, very close to 10%. And I said, thanks. That wasn't very hard to do, was it? And he answered, well, you gave me the dollar to, give the, to get the candy bar. I'm hoping I don't have to draw the parallels here. <laughs> and then without me asking, he gave me another piece. One-sixth, 17% of all that he had. Start with a tenth. See if it's hard. And then see if your heart doesn't yearn to give more. Thank you.